Life's aches and pains, we all experience them. So I'm excited that Plus CBD Relief is backed by popular demand. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CB Sciences. Plus CBD's Relief line of soft gels is the ideal way to help promote a healthy inflammatory response. Plus CBD Relief is doctor-formulated with recovery-supporting ingredients, including CBD, CBDA, and Levagen PEA, which has been found in clinical trials to relieve severe headache faster than ibuprofen. Relief soft gels help address minor everyday soreness, support joint function, and encourage recovery following strenuous activity. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com Hoffman for Plus CBD's relief soft gels. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Uh, I think you'll find uh, today's discussion uh, particularly exciting, uh, especially if you've heard part one, because we're talking about psychedelics. The book is Psychedelics for Everyone. Well, the notion is not everyone is going to take them, but psychedelics have a potential for treating a wide variety of conditions in addition to being a route of profound exploration for a lot of people as they have been among the religious sacraments of uh, of humans since time immemorial. Uh, these are things that have been used to kind of open the doors to higher levels of consciousness. And uh, under proper circumstances, they can provide profound insights. Our guest, the author of the book, Matt Zeman, uh, so, Matt, let's talk a little bit about ketamine. Ketamine is uh, all the rage these days. And actually, there's been some criticism of ketamine because uh, it is said that it's becoming uh, too available because uh, due to the lifting of prescribing restrictions during COVID, you know, there's been a lot of online medicine. Uh, there's a lot of uh, new startups online. Uh, that, uh, you know, after a quick uh, questionnaire and, you know, talking to some sort of medical professional, usually not a doctor, perhaps an RN, uh, you're cleared for takeoff and then they send you some ketamine lozenges or, you know, some ketamine uh, nasal inhaler. And then you could administer the stuff to yourself at home for treatment of depression. Uh, I know that under experimental circumstances, people are given IV ketamine, which is very powerful and potentially dangerous if not used correctly less of a problem when you go the nasal route or you take a gummy or a lozenge but um, what say you about ketamine I think this this ties back into our previous discussion from part one where people are demanding an alternative to antidepressants they don't want to be hooked on this drug that you have to take every day they don't want the side effects that come with those drugs um and they don't want to wait six to 14 weeks to find out if any particular antidepressant is going to work for them. So there's there's this huge – and ketamine, it is getting media attention. And, and it's getting attention from, uh, from people who didn't know this was an option for them. So – and what are they hearing? They're, they're hearing that, well, this really works. That I mean, there's a, a, a recent study where 89% of the participants had improvements in depression and anxiety. 
63% was a 50% improvement or more. Big Again, big numbers with a very low side effect um, uh, profile. Mm-hmm. And most side effects with ketamine are going disip- to disappear as soon as the, they stop taking the medicine. So, what's the theory behind how it works? Because it's not like traditional antidepressants. It's not even like psychedelics. It's what's called a hypnotic. It's a dissociative drug. Dissociative, and best sure. as I can understand it, not having taken it or administered it, is that it kind of does a reboot on your brain. It, it tastes sort of, you know, like when your computer's stuck or not working, it's a good idea to do a reboot, and then maybe it'll work better. Is that the correct analogy in terms of what it might do for the brain? I love that. Let's take it. Yeah, at a high level, it's going to allow neurons to fire together that haven't fired together in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get deeper, and I'll just quickly walk you through this. I mean, it's biologically, it's changing the glutamate activity and increasing BDNF in the brain. Oh. So that is improving your neuroplasticity. It's improving your synaptic strength. Mm-hmm. Then, similar to a psychedelic, it is going to suppress the default mode network. And that's where people who are taking ketamine feel this kind of instant relief from worry and symptoms related to anxiety. I know when I take ketamine, it's like, wow. You get unstuck. I realize how much anxiety I was carrying. In other words, that there's, there's brain circuits that kind of uh, repetitively uh, reenact uh, the thoughts and imagined experiences. Uh, you, you can break away from those constraints. You can, and it turns that that turns that inner narrator down, where you're not just getting that that constant monkey mind for just for the mm-hmm. typically a ketamine journey is about an hour. So for that hour, that monkey mind quiets down. You then have that whole disassociative side effect, where patients now are able to uh, unlock their subconscious thoughts. They can explore those underlying causes of whatever brought them there. And in many cases, it's depression or anxiety. Substance use is, is a big one as well. And then, again, like a classic psychedelic, for many patients, it has a spiritual effect. It helps people connect to a greater meaning of life. And that offers peace and relief from depressive symptoms or feelings of hopelessness. So it's it's not a, a six or eight hour psilocybin journey it, um, or an ayahuasca experience in a ceremony, but it can be profoundly healing. And... Um, and again, with very few side effects. So it's it's interesting to see different pieces of the me- medical industry kind of fighting over who should control the ketamine. And on one hand, you have groups like the anesthesiologists saying like, oh, well, mm-hmm. we're the only ones really who use right. this all the time. It should be our, we should control this. It's, it's so safe that it's used as a pediatric uh, anesthetic quite often for uh, children undergoing surgery or procedures. Good point. I mean, it's, it's one of the World Health Organization's top uh, me- essential medicines it was it's so easy to administer i mean in vietnam soldiers carried it as the buddy drug you just stab your other your if somebody gets hurt stab your buddy with it and get him to a hospital mm-hmm. so and there's also again treat it with respect I, I want i want to keep repeating that like if you, just because you're hearing us talking about it on this show doesn't mean if someone offers you ketamine at a party you should take that mm-hmm. um but in medicinal use, there's not a lot of contraindications. Um, if you're taking an appropriate dose, 
there's really no evidence of addictive behavior within that type. There, in animal studies and, and higher doses and in, in uh, recreational, sure, there's some abusive poten- potentials, but really mm-hmm. not in a medicinal setting. Um, and it and it can do really it can do great things. So, to somebody with prescriptive authority in any given state who's been trained, who's been certified, who mm-hmm. understands that their license is at risk, who can say, okay, yeah, you don't have the any of the things that's a contraindication of this medicine. You have some type of depression or anxiety. For whatever reason, you chose not to, to do a, an antidepressant or to continue with an antidepressant. Why shouldn't they be able to prescribe it? Now, then you get into a whole different thing about what is the container around the medicine. So mm-hmm. there are some companies that offer, like you can have guides or you can have therapists and and they help you prepare your intentions and do all the things we talked about in part one. I think that's great. But there are, there are anesthesiologists out there that have clinics where you mm-hmm. go in and you get, a, you get an IV in your arm. Yeah, it's kind of like a ketamine And you sit in a dentist chair and they send yeah. you away. Right, exactly. So how is that any different? Than, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, so it's monitored, but is it, are you really acting in the best interest of the patient with that experience either. Mm-hmm. So there are various modes of administration. There's the IV setting. Uh, then mm-hmm. there's also, I think, uh, nasal ketamine has been uh, legalized by prescription, of course. Yeah, uh, S-ketamine, but you have to take that one inside of a medical office. Okay, for, with so observation. They don't send that home right, with you. Right, And then there's the, I guess, people can qualify through some online pharmacies. It's a prescription drug. Through an online pharmacy, you can obtain a, a gummy uh, or a lozenge type thing. Is that the way it works? It's typically a rapid dissolve sublingual lozenge. So something mm-hmm. you put underneath your tongue and you let it dissolve there. You hold it in your mouth for 10, 12, 15 minutes, whatever your doctor prescribes. And then you spit out the medicine and you go on your journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I've also heard that it can be helpful for fibromyalgia pain because uh, there's that whole notion of, you know, body brain and you know doing a sort of a reset on your pain circuits absolutely and, and even on a, and cluster headaches it, there's a lot of a uh, of current research with that as well so how do you make sure that what you're getting is safe and unadulterated that is a concern because you know there's a lot of uh, illicit stuff circulating around and you know in the old days people would say here take this you know it's like okay fine <laughs> but you didn't know it, I mean, from whence it, it came this exact I love that question. Yeah. So what what is in the best interest of us as citizens of this country um, that we can have a, and in this case, a medicinal model where we should be, we are able to go to prescribers who have access to pure ketamine and they can prescribe it, connect us with, with pharmacies or compounding pharmacies that can, that can prepare it and can get it to us, whether that's in a clinic for IV or IM, Inter, inter, uh, or mail order with a sublingual um, or pretend that there isn't an underground market where people buy these things and uh, and they take great risk as to what they're actually ingesting in their body because yeah, there's because a street drug called market. Special K you know it's the, the uh, street name for uh, ketamine you know which is like an illicit drug but who knows what it's laced with what the purity potency etc Yep, and and there's multiple um, websites that you can go on, and you can look at um, at what drugs are sold as and what they actually contain. So people can send in anonymous um, p- 
pills and medicine and say, okay, I, I bought mm-hmm. this as ketamine. What is it? Yeah. Or I bought this as MDMA. What is it? And, um, and it's awful when you see, oh, this, this, they thought they were buying MDMA and there's no MDMA in this. It's this with a little bit of fentanyl and a little bit of that. Um, it's, it's terrifying, actually. Um, we really need to have a, a legalized drug market where, where we know what we're buying and it's regulated and, and taxed and so on and so forth. So here's the paradox. You, know, you talk about the application of some of these things like ketamine, but perhaps other things, for addiction. So how do you take a, a drug that curbs your desire for drugs, alcohol, or potentially food, uh, or smoking, for example? How, how, how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, so part of, I, don't, I think the short answer is people don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. But they, we do know that before the... Controlled Substances Act of 1970, there were, I think, a thousand papers about the efficacy of LSD for alcohol use, and that <laughs> Bill W. really lobbied hard to make it part of Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow. We know that the research is showing that people who are, again, lifelong smokers, nothing has worked. Psilocybin can get them to stop smoking, and, and that can, it can stick for years. We know, I mean, my personal experience wasn't a big drinker but i drank but after my first experience with psilocybin my desire to drink went away i haven't had a drink in like four years Hmm. just just went away didn't ask for it just gone um so it's my instinct is for many people the behavior that we exhibit on the outside whether that is whether that's a substance use whether that's a, a gambling addiction whether that's a eating disorder um, whether it's a, 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 a sexual disorder, um, it relates somehow to trauma. It relates mm-hmm. somehow to, to things in our past. And I think these, uh, these medicines somehow help clear that, help heal that. And off we, uh, and, and it can, and it can help people with that substance use. I also know, and I don't know if you looked at, uh, Dr. Hoffman, uh, Ibogaine at all, or Iboga, Yep. Um, but what that does for people Wasn't with the, opioid the, addiction. The, the poison dart thing? Is that? Is no. Iboga that, um, is an African root. Um, oh, okay. The, uh, the, I can't think what you're thinking of. I know you're th- thinking of the South American one. and uh, Yeah, okay. Yes, I can. But anyway, Iboga, like if I had a, a child or a loved one struggling with an opioid addiction, yeah, I'd get them to, a, to an Ibogaine clinic. Um, mm-hmm. I wish we had them here, mm-hmm. and I, with with the U.S. medical system on top of it. But you uh, actually list places don't. that do clinical trials on this. So if you know if you really you know you want to do this in a very uh, controlled setting, and I know they're kind of few and far between, but you can, uh, in some instances, enroll in a clinical trial uh, where it's highly regulated and you know very safe. And, uh, you know, the question is whether you meet the criteria for the clinical trial. And, you know, there's limited spots for those. But you can uh, undertake those at, you know, big university centers like Stanford and Johns Hopkins and so on. Absolutely. And it's great that that I mean, as, as the rules around this have loosened up a little bit, we're seeing more academic institutions studying this. But when we start changing the scheduling we'll see even more research done um, because it won't be as tremendously expensive as it is. I mean, working with these, uh, 
these medications are, is just it's it's very expensive for universities. So they're doing it, and the results are amazing. And I just can't wait to see what we see in the next twenty years. Yeah, and there's um, kind of a cultural resistance to this, and a bit of a stigma still to be overcome. You know, when these trials are undertaken, because nobody else wants to fall into the same disrepute that Timothy Leary and company fell into when they started. Actually, they were doing legitimate research at, at Harvard. He was a Harvard University professor. Uh, who, along with, by the way, Andrew Weil, uh, that, that's how Andrew Weil, you know, Mr. Natural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, leader of the integrative movement in this country, how he's cut his teeth uh, academically and medically. He was interested in that in the 60s. So uh, that was, you know, the first surge of research around that. And then, unfortunately, it got kind of out of hand and then there was a reaction and then they kind of shut down the whole uh, research avenues. Uh, I just want to ask you kind of a fundamental question and, uh, you know, Probably there's no clear-cut answer, but it seems that these agents work on a couple of levels. One is that you, in effect, go on a trip. You go, you have an insightful experience with altered consciousness, and then you bring back the insights that you obtained uh, when you kind of go out of your ordinary mindset. That's number one. But number two uh, is it possible that these things actually create kind of a, a reset in your brain neurochemistry and your brain circuitry you know, brain neuroplasticity that has not just a transient effect, but a lasting effect? What's your feeling about that? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on. I think as we get older, we for many of us as we get older, we get these ruts of thinking, these patterns of thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, while it feels like a pattern to us, it's even more of a pattern inside our minds. There are other people who are who are kind of just wired that way, where they they that's just the way their mind works. These psychedelic drugs can break those patterns, show us, oh, I can think this other way as well, and then we get into something that we call integration in the industry, which is activities that people do to to really make that more sticky. Okay, I started mm-hmm. thinking about this in this other way during this experience. Um, can I do more of that? Can I keep that going? Um, and and th- th- this is where it crosses into kind of the world of positive psychology and th- those types of evidence-based activities, yeah, mindfulness-based uh, activities that that can help people move from, in many ways, looking at the negative to looking at the positive and keeping it going. And maybe opening up the horizon to different patterns of living, different experiences. Uh, that uh, ordinarily they wouldn't contemplate without the doors of perception opened up through these drugs. That's, I love that. And then the, uh, yeah, that reference with the doors of perception and the wildly different ways to, to look at the world that can occur because it's a, uh, because this experience is so different than what, than the everyday uh, life that many of these people have lived. So you uh, actually, uh, in your bio, it says that you are the CEO and co-founder of something called Happy, which is spelled with two Ys. Uh, it's a mental wellness company. Uh, tell us a little bit about Happy and, you know, people, is there a website? And can people gain more information via that website? Yep, it's, it's actually literally launching here in the next couple of weeks. It's happywith2ys.me and um, launching in Florida and then quickly expanding into multiple states. And this is, we're here to fight the uh, the unhappiness epidemic. We are using um, 
legalized uh, legal ketamine, and we have a network of of doctors who are who are trained and understand how ketamine works, who are doing medical intake processes and interviewing um, prospects as to whether they are a good fit for this type of ketamine. I mean, just because you you might be a good fit for ketamine and not a good fit for telehealth ketamine or our ketamine, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and that's what the doctor is really looking for. Um, and then we have, uh, again, a network of guides who help set intentions and meet the members on the other side of their experiences and talk about what happened and help uh, give them activities that they can do on a daily basis to really um, have these turn these, uh, these insights into habits. Mm-hmm. And that's specifically for ketamine. That, that it's not like a Happy will offer a full menu of, uh, you know, toad venom and uh, ayahuasca <laughs> and, you know, uh, all and sundry psychedelics. Not until they're legal here. But uh, no, it's okay. just, just ketamine. And there, there's, there's plenty to do with this. I mean, we, again, we're talking about so many people in our country are on antidepressants. So many of them feel like this medicine has, uh, has failed them. Uh, there's another whole batch of people who won't get on the antidepressants because of how bad they are for them mm-hmm. uh, are the side effects. So, um, so, yeah, so I think there's plenty of work to be done here. So let me share a concern with you because, uh, you know, just as with the, the marijuana industry, uh, you know, follow the money trail, uh, there's an incentive uh, for some of these startups, I think Cerebral is an example of, of that mm-hmm. kind of startup. Cerebral kind of got in trouble because during the pandemic, you know, people couldn't go to doctors and they took advantage of that uh, and offered uh, online uh, counseling and prescribing of a lot of ADD medications. And, uh, you know, for a lot of kids, uh, ADD medications are, are simply a way of getting uh, more academic efficiency uh, and focus and concentration when it when it's kind of inappropriate, and so they're dishing out these medications for a fee. Uh, how do you avoid the kind of gold rush if this stuff becomes legal and available, so that uh, people are inappropriately prescribed these things uh, just because uh, there's a profit motive? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I think that question applies across the board to the medical industry. It so, does. how do you do that with? with hospitals and how you charge, how do you do that with weight medicine? How do you do that with anything? Yeah. So I think what the medical industry has tried to do is they said, okay, we're, we're going to have a whole licensing process for you to, to get a license to be able to prescribe. And it's going to take a lot of time and cost you a lot of money and you're <laughs> not going to want to lose it. Right. And then we're going to have, um, there is going to be oversight in terms of like, are you prescribing reasonably? And if you're not, there are consequences. So then it's up to each company to create technologies and frameworks that allow those prescribers to be successful and to be efficient. So the just like this is a question, the other question becomes the average price of in-clinic ketamine right now is about $450 um, to $1,000 per session. So six That's an grand infusion. Six That's an IV. For infusion, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And And... and yeah, infusion. Um, it's a little bit less for intermuscular, but it's it's very expensive and not usually covered by insurance. I mean, it's not really and not at of, all covered yeah, by insurance. Right, no, right. So now we have a a group of telehealth companies that are saying, you know what, that's that's really restricting access, which is also yet another problem. So if we can create technology to help make people more efficient, 
We can help uh, streamline the delivery process of the medicine. We can trust our, our licensed prescribers in each state to do the right thing. Um, we can drop the cost to by like 75%. It can be $1,200 for your first six sessions. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And then less on renewals. Right. So again, none of this is perfect. There are no perfect answers. Um, and the profit motive can be a can be a huge issue. Um, it, it can be an issue, but it can also be these companies don't want to go out of business. They don't want to lose their prescribers. They don't want the government mm-hmm. shutting them down. They mm-hmm. don't want backlash. So that's also part of the profit motive uh, component. So hopefully, we're going to continue to see companies coming into this space that truly want to help people and that operate from that place versus we just need um, to increase our return to our investors. Yeah. And, and that, that is a concern. So from a, a political standpoint, are there political initiatives uh, that are underway? You seem to be kind of plugged into a movement of sorts to make these therapies more accessible. Uh, can people find out about that? Absolutely. So, um, one organization that uh, that I like a lot is is a company called or is an organization called Reason for Hope. Um, and Reason for Hope, I think they're working in six states right now and helping to uh, lead state initiatives. They also helped with the Rand uh, Rand Paul uh, Cory Booker uh, legislation that was proposed nationally. It's led by um, a three-star general, I believe, uh, Martin Steele, uh, retired Marine Corps general. And, and mm-hmm. then there's another uh, uh, brigadier general as part of their leadership team. Good pedigree. Um, yeah. A, yeah, super interesting organization. Then Jess, uh, Jess McLaughlin uh, was a state legislature, legislator up in uh, Connecticut. Um, and he's part of their team as well. So they're doing really interesting work. We're seeing... Um, we're seeing both sides of the aisle kind of supporting. How do you argue when you're, when you're helping veterans, you're helping first responders, you're helping victims of sexual assault. It's getting political buy-in on both sides and on the donors there. Everybody's pitching in. We're seeing how much money maps is raising and it's, it's conservative and liberal donors. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to continue to see more and more cities decriminalizing, more and more states legalizing, more and more medical models creating. And I'm hoping that we're also going to see more and more um, religious freedom um, exemptions actions taken. Yeah, like yeah. obtaining a, a, a you know a medical exemption for a special need, for example. So, okay, once again, the the your website. Uh, is happy with two Y's dot me is that correct? That's it. Yep, and that's where you can find out everything about happy. And on the uh, on the book and on me, you can go to Matt Zeman Z E M O N dot com. And uh, I've got lots of little videos and free guide to microdosing and all those kinds of things on that site. Okay. Well, Matt, thank you very much for uh, really uh, kind of an eye opening. Uh, exploration of the subject, which we haven't broached yet on intelligent medicine, but uh, it's certainly something that um, we're going to hear more and more about. And I think it has uh, extraordinary potential. So thanks for being a pioneer in this field. I appreciate very much you joining us. Dr. Hoffman, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the uh, the path you've taken as well. And then turning from not just being internal medicine, but studying traditional Chinese medicine and and looking at these uh, 
alternative ways to help your patients. I appreciate what you're doing as well. Yeah, uh, it's kind of an all-of-the-above approach. Uh, anything that could possibly help without harming patients. And certainly this might fit the bill. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.